Avengers Endgame gave us the climactic clash where the Avengers faced off against Thanos once again, only this time with a united front. The Avengers each dealt with the loss of half of humanity in their own unique ways. The film gave us one of the best final battles in the MCU thus far. Let's go to Cobb's Corner. Welcome back to Cobb's Corner. I'm your host, Morgan Cobbs. Avengers Endgame starts off with a scene showing Clint Barton on house arrest, uh, teaching his daughter Lila Barton archery. Uh, the family is getting ready for a picnic outside where everyone except Clint is dusted. Uh, it was confirmed in Avengers Infinity War that Clint was on house arrest when Infinity War happened. That's why he was MIA. The scene ends with Clint running rampant around his property looking for his missing family. After a boom of thunder, we get the usual Marvel Studios title sequence as some soft rock plays in the background. The title sequence is missing all the characters who were dusted. If you look closely, all the characters who were dusted in Infinity War are missing from that opening title sequence. We then see Tony Stark and Nebula playing table football on the Guardians of the Galaxy ship the Benatar. Their food and water has already run out, and their fuel cells are cracked. Stark is very skinny, and he hasn't eaten in a while. His... He records a farewell message for Pepper Potts, who is back on Earth, and tells her not to worry, and that he hopes to see her again soon, but he isn't sure if he will. As Tony collapses to the ground and is helped back up by Nebula, the two of them are rescued by none other than Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel flies them back to the Avengers headquarters on Earth, and all of the surviving Avengers regroup. Tony reunites with Pepper and Steve Rogers, while Nebula reunites with Rocket, who was the only surviving guardian of the galaxy. The next day, as Tony is in a wheelchair with an IV in him, Rogers tries his best to talk to Stark calmly and ask if Thanos gave Tony any coordinates. Uh, Tony goes on about how he saw Thanos coming a few years prior, and he thought that what they needed was a suit of armor around the world, whether or not it impacted their precious freedoms. He recalls how Steve said that they would fight an extraterrestrial threat together and Tony said that they'd lose and Steve said that they'd do that together too. A literal, you know, quote, callback to Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, after Bruce Banner gave Stark a sedative for him to relax, the remaining heroes, which includes Thor, Black Widow, Nebula, Captain America, Captain Marvel, War Machine, Rocket, and Dr. Banner, they all regroup and determine how they can find Thanos and possibly bring everyone back. Nebula tells the heroes where Thanos is hiding on a, on a farm planet. Thanos's snap caused a cosmic energy surge of biblical proportions that no one has ever seen anything like it. And then two days ago, there was another power surge on a faraway planet, which is the planet where Thanos is hiding out. The team's plan is to fly over to Thanos and steal the stones and snap their own fingers and bring everyone back to life. The Avengers Endgame title flashes across the screen as we see the team board the Benatar, and fly over to this mystery planet. Captain Marvel flies down for recon and sees how Thanos has no defenses of any kind. It's just him and his farm. The team flies down and attacks Thanos and even gets him pinned down pretty easily as Thanos doesn't even fight back. Thor slices off Thanos' arm and realizes that there are no stones in it. There are no, no, one's, no stones inside of the gauntlet, to which Thanos replies how he used the stones two days ago in order to destroy the stones. It nearly killed him. The stones serve no purpose beyond temptation once the work is done. The team thinks that he is lying, to which Nebula says how her father is many things, but a liar is not one of them. 
Once his work was done, the stone served no purpose beyond temptation. The work is done. It always will be. Thanos says how, I am inevitable. And just then, Thor chops off Thanos' head. Nebula closes the eyes of the severed head of her father as Rocket asks Thor what he just did. Thor says, I went for the head. And everyone just leaves. Five years go by, and the world is still without half of its population. The year is now 2023, and Steve Rogers has started a support group in Queens at what used to be City Field, the home field of the New York Mets baseball team. In this focus group, we see a cameo from one of the directors of this movie, Joe Russo, as he mentions a date that he went on, which was his first date in over five years. Uh, Steve says how the world belongs to them now, that half of the population has disappeared, and it's up to the half that's remaining to move forward. Meanwhile, over in San Francisco, California, the van which housed Scott Lang's quantum tunnel, which was, which we saw at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, is being housed in a storage facility with the storage unit number 616. 616, of course, referring to the main Marvel continuity um, in, the, in the comics, and Earth 616 in, in the Marvel comics, and also, I want to say, in the MCU. That's the official continuity numbers, uh, Earth 616. A rat accidentally activates the quantum tunnel, and Scott Lang um, goes flying out. Completely confused, Scott writes down the word help on a piece of cardboard and is seen by the security guard, played by Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong, who was a cast member on the sitcom Community, which was also directed by the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo, who are the directors of this film. As Scott leaves the storage facility with a wagon full of stuff, he makes his way over to a memorial which contains pillars with the names of those who vanished. He finds the names of Hank, Janet, and Hope, along with his own name. He realizes that his daughter's Cassie, his daughter Cassie's name is not among the vanished, and he rushes to her house and finds an older Cassie who did not vanish, now played by Emma, Emma Furman, who we will see in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. After greeting his daughter and saying how she got so big over the last five years, Scott makes his way over to the Avengers headquarters. Back at Avengers HQ, Black Widow is on a video call with Rhodey, Rocket, Okoye, Captain Marvel, and Nebula. They have been a hero's board over the last five years. At the end of the video call, Rhodey mentions how he is in Mexico after a bunch of cartel guys died and didn't even have a chance to fire their guns. Rhodey thinks that it is Barton and says how part of him doesn't even want to find out the full extent of what he has done. Rhodey logs off and Natasha is greeted by Steve. The two of them are interrupted by Scott Lang, who is at the front gate. They let Scott in, and he mentions how he was stuck in a place called the Quantum Realm when, when Thanos happened, when Thanos' snap happened. Natasha says how it must have been a very long five years for him, which Lang responds how for him it was more like five hours, given that time works very differently in the Quantum Realm. He keeps speculating and theorizing about how what if they could navigate the quantum realm and enter the quantum realm at one point in time and then exit the quantum realm at another time, like before Thanos. The three of them go to see Tony Stark, who is now living in a lake house with his wife Pepper and their daughter Morgan. Personally, I think that they couldn't have given their daughter a better name. I think, you know, Morgan, it is a really, really nice uh, sounding name. You know, we've got so many famous, you know, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Freeman, uh... Morgan Horses, Captain Morgan Spice Rum, okay, Garrett A. Morgan, who invented the traffic light. Okay, and I digress. <laughs> uh, Rogers asks Stark 
if after all of his research, if he thinks that navigating the quantum realm and going back in time to retrieve the stones and bring everyone back is even a possibility. Tony initially dismisses the idea and mentions how Scott Lang got lucky making it out of the quantum realm and how no, nobody is guaranteed to make it out of the quantum realm. Now, physicists who are listening, you can probably like explain this in the comments better than I can. Uh, you know, my background's more in mechanical engineering. In school, I never really got that deep into quantum theory and like the quantum realm and quantum mechanics, but they do name drop uh, Planck's scale and the Deutsch proposition and, you know, Schrodinger's cat, I guess. But uh, Steve, Scott, and Natasha, they leave Tony, and instead they go to find Dr. Banner. They realize that Dr. Banner has now merged his two identities as Bruce Banner and the Hulk, and he is now referred to, well, according to the subtitles, as Smart Hulk. Uh, personally, I actually like this version of the Hulk. I know a lot of fans like didn't really like Smart Hulk. I, I liked him. Uh, he mentions how he has now put the brains and the brawn together and has the best of both worlds. Bruce says how quantum mechanics is outside of his area of expertise, but he will help them. As a test run, they send Scott back in time and bring him back to the present via the quantum realm. They run into a problem where instead of pushing Lang through time, they ended up pushing time through Lang as he appeared first in his child form, then in his elderly form, and finally as a baby. They were finally able to bring Scott back, uh, present-day Scott back, as Bruce yells, Time travel! It says how he sees it as an absolute win. Later that night, Tony gets a little bit of inspiration to create a device to navigate the quantum realm with the use of a Mobius strip inverted. Once, once he figures it out, he accidentally swears in front of Morgan, and as he is putting her to bed, she mentions how she loves him 3,000. He tells Pepper how he figured it out, but he is hesitant to actually go through with the plan and eventually agrees to going through with it after some words of encouragement from Pepper. Tony shows up to Avengers HQ and commits to rejoining the Avengers and bringing everyone back. He gives Cap his shield back and shows Cap the time travel device that they will use. Stark says how he just, want peace, just wants peace, recalling his recalling him flashing the peace sign in the first Iron Man movie when he was rescued. Meanwhile, Hulk and Rocket head over to New Asgard to recruit Thor back to the Avengers. New Asgard is in the town of Tonsberg, Norway, which was the site where Odin saved humanity from the Frost Giants in Thor, and it's also where the Tesseract was found by the Red Skull in Captain America the First Avenger. Over the last five years, Thor has let himself go and become an alcoholic. Hulk and Rocket find Thor, chilling with Korg and Meek playing video games. Hulk brings up how they could fix what Thanos did, and this triggers Thor as he mentions how he is the one who killed Thanos. After a few words of encouragement, Thor finally agrees to go with them. We then flash to Tokyo, where a masked vigilante is fighting a bunch of Yakuza members as he is going for the Yakuza boss. The masked figure is known as the Ronin, and he says how half the world didn't survive, and they got Thanos, while those who survived got him. The two of them sword fight as the Yakuza boss eventually surrenders and says how he will give the Ronin anything. The Ronin responds in English, what I want, you can't give me. And he kills the Yakuza boss anyway. Natasha Romanoff walks up behind the Ronin and asks how, and, and Ronin says how she shouldn't be here and he has a job to do. The Ronin removes his mask and turns around revealing that it is none other than Clint Barton. Natasha mentions how they found a possible way to bring everyone back, to which Barton says, Don't give me hope. 
and Natasha replies, I'm sorry I couldn't give it to you sooner. Barton rejoins the team, and they all meet up back at HQ. All of the surviving heroes meet up to go over the plan. Clint volunteers to do a test run where he goes back in time to his farmhouse and retrieves a baseball glove and then brings it back to the present, proving that it is possible to bring objects from the past to the present. Rhodey says how if Thanos is in the past, then why don't they just find baby Thanos and kill him? Hulk explains how changing the past doesn't change the future. Rhodey references how that's how time travel works in every film, including Quantum Leap, Terminator, Time Cop, A Wrinkle in Time, Somewhere in Time, Hot Tub Time Machine, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and also others. Hulk says how he doesn't know why everyone believes that because if because that's not how time travel works. If you travel to the past, then the past now becomes the present, and your former present now becomes the past, which cannot be changed by your current present. Theoretically, that is how time travel would work in the real world. Emphasis on theoretically. This is only a movie. In the meeting room, the team goes through each of the six Infinity Stones, and all of them, with the exception of Scott, have encountered at least one of them throughout their lifetime. They realize that in the year 2012, there were three stones in New York. The Space Stone in the Tesseract, the Mind Stone in Loki's Scepter, and the Time Stone in the Eye of Agamotto at the New York City Sanctum. The Reality Stone was inside of Jane Foster in Asgard in 2013, the Power Stone was on Morag in 2014, and the Soul Stone was still on Vormir at that time as well. They break up into three teams, Hulk, Iron Man, Ant-Man, and Captain America will travel to New York in 2012, Thor and Rocket will go to Asgard in 2013, and War Machine, Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Nebula will travel to Morag and Vormir in 2014. The ten of them each have their assignments as they put on their special Quantum Realm suits and travel to the past. The first team is in New York, at the Battle of New York in the year 2012 in The Avengers. Hulk goes over to the New York City Sanctum, while Cap, Ant-Man, and Iron Man all go to Avengers Tower, where Loki has just been stopped. Iron Man flicks Ant-Man onto the 2012 version of himself, while 2012 Cap is sent to coordinate search and rescue. Present-day Cap goes into the elevator, recreating the elevator scene from Captain America the Winter Soldier, where Cap was surrounded by members of Hydra, including Agent Sitwell. Cap says how there's a change of plans and that he will be running point on the scepter, and even whispers Hail Hydra into Sitwell's ear. This is a nod to the Marvel What If comic, where Steve Rogers was a Hydra agent all along. Marvel What If, and also, I guess, 2012, we didn't know that S.H.I.E.L.D. Was, was, was Hydra at that time, so he says, you know, Hail Hydra. Walks away with the scepter. Just then, he is stopped by, 2000, by his 2012 self, who thinks that he is Loki. At the New York Sanctum, the Ancient One is fighting the Chitauri using magic and spells, confirming that the Ancient One was present at the Battle of New York off-screen. She is greeted by Smart Hulk, who says how he is looking for Dr. Stephen Strange, to which the Ancient One replies how Hulk is about five years too early and that Dr. Strange is still performing surgeries. This confirms that the Ancient One knew about Stephen Strange even before the movie Dr. Strange, which took place in the year 2016. Hulk says how he needs the Time Stone and tries to take the Eye of Agamotto off the Ancient One, who then sends the Hulk to the Astral Plane. Ancient One says how they should start over, and Hulk explains to her how Thanos wiped out half of all life in the universe, and how they need the stone to undo this damage. The Ancient One illustrates how the Infinity Stones create what we experience as the flow of time. If you remove one of those stones, then that creates a branch timeline, which may benefit his reality, but will leave the branch reality in shambles without their chief weapon against the forces of darkness. 
Hulk explains how they cannot prevent that from happening, but they can erase it by returning each stone to its original timeline at the exact moment that it was taken, so chronologically, in that reality, it never left. The Ancient One finally agrees to give Hulk the time stone. Back at Avengers Tower, the heroes take Loki down to the lobby and force Hulk to take the stairs. Cap is fighting his 2012 self and ends the fight while being put in a headlock as he mentions that Bucky is alive, which 2012 Cap wouldn't find out for another two years. This shocks 2012 Cap, allowing present-day Cap to escape with the scepter. In the lobby, Ant-Man is holding on to 2012 Tony as he goes inside of Tony's arc reactor, which he still had inside of his chest at the time, and pulls a pin loose. This causes 2012 Tony to have a minor heart malfunction, allowing Ant-Man enough time to steal the case with the Tesseract, which present-day Tony, dis- disguised as a S.H.I.E.L.D. soldier, walks walks away with. Just then, 2012 Hulk bursts into the lobby, and he yells, No! Stairs! Knocking Tony to the ground and causing him to drop the case, freeing the Tesseract. 2012 Loki then picks up the Tesseract and escapes, creating an alternate timeline, which we saw in the Loki series last year. Well, in season one of uh, Loki uh, last year. Definitely looking forward to season two. Cap, Tony, and Scott regroup as they now only have one stone instead of two, and they only had enough pin particles for one round trip each. As Scott is complaining, Tony has the idea for him and Cap to go back to Camp Lehigh in the year 1970. They tell Scott to take the scepter back to the compound as Cap and Tony go back to 1970 to retrieve the Tesseract and get more pin particles. In 1970, they show up at Camp Lehigh in New Jersey, and we even see Stan Lee's final MCU cameo as he plays, uh, I want to say it's a younger version of himself, driving by the military base as he screams, Make love, not war! One of the many Vietnam War protest champs. And he even has a bumper sticker that says, Nuff said. (laughs) Nice little nod to the late Stan Lee. Camp Lehigh was also shown in Captain America the Winter Soldier as the place where Arnim Zola was hiding Stark as as a well, the, the place where Ar- Arnim, Arnim Zola was, was hiding and the place that was bombed in Captain America the Winter Soldier. Stark disguises himself as a visitor from MIT while Rogers disguises himself as a soldier. While the two of them are in the elevator, we get a cameo from Yvette Nicole Brown, another cast member of Community. Rogers gives a fake phone call about a radioactive package to Dr. Hank Pym, who was a S.H.I.E.L.D. scientist at the time, if you'll remember from the opening scene of Ant-Man, that that Dr. Pym started out as a scientist for S.H.I.E.L.D. And Dr. Pym then runs out of his office over to the shipping department. This allows Rogers to take Pym particles from Dr. Pym's office, which, while he is away... He even sees sees into Peggy Carter's office, as she is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. at this time. Stark goes into the lower levels of the S.H.I.E.L.D. base and finds the Tesseract, a.k.a. the Space Stone, and puts it into an empty briefcase. Just, Just as he closes the suitcase, he hears a man screaming, Arnhem! This is, of course, Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark, one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D., who is played by John Slattery in this scene. John Slattery, who also played him in the 2010 Iron Man 2 um, old uh, videos. Tony introduces himself, and the two of them head outside. On the way out, Howard mentions how his wife is expecting a child, hence the flowers and sauerkraut. As the two of them are talking, Tony is finally getting some closure with his father, who has no idea that he is his son. 
He says how he thought that his father was hard on him, but looking back, all the mem- all he remembers is the good stuff, and he did drop the odd pearl. No amount of money ever bought him a second of time. After saying goodbye to his father, Tony and Steve are now able to go back to the Avengers compound. On Asgard in 2013, Thor and Rocket sneak past Loki, who was imprisoned in Asgard at the time, and they find Jane Foster, who has the ether, aka the reality stone, inside of her. Thor has a panic attack as he remembers that they travel back to the same day that a dark elf killed his mom. Rocket smacks him and tells him how Thor isn't the only one who lost people, and he lost the only family that he ever had, Quill, Groot, Drax, Gamora, and Mantis. Thor's mother is really gone, and there are a ton of people who are only kinda gone. Despite Rocket's pep talk, Thor is still hesitant, and just as Rocket goes to extract the ether and Thor wanders off, he runs in, runs into his mom. Thor's mother, Frigga, points out that she was raised by witches and she sees with more than eyes, and she was able to deduct that Thor was from the future without him having to tell her. Frigga tells Thor how him failing to stop Thanos making, makes him a failure, and that makes him just like everyone else. Everyone fails at who they are supposed to be. Frigga tells Thor that it's time for him to be who he is, not who everyone says that he is supposed to be. Just as Rocket runs back with the stone, Thor tries to warn his mother that she will die later that day, but she stops him in mentioning that it's none of my business, you came here to repair your future, not mine. Right before Rocket and Thor travel back to the present, Thor summons Mjolnir and takes it with him, proving he's still worthy. In 2014, on Morag, Black Widow and Hawkeye fly to Vormir in the Benatar, while War Machine and Nebula retrieve the Power Stone from Morag. They find Peter Quill as he is dancing his way over to the Temple of the Power Stone, a fun opening sequence that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy. War Machine knocks Quill unconscious with his shoulder cannon, and he and Nebula head towards the, the Temple. Nebula is eager to enter the Temple, but War Machine warns her how this is the part where there's booby traps and spikes with skulls on the end of them come out, of course referring to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nebula grabs the orb containing the Power Stone with her metal arm, leaving it burned. She says how she wasn't always like that, to which Rhodey responds, Neither was I, but we work with what we got, I guess. As the two of them are about to head back to the compound, Nebula's mind malfunctions as the 2014 Nebula gets entangled with the 2023 Nebula's network. 2023 Nebula realizes that 2014 Thanos knows about their plan, and tries to alert Barton and Romanoff, but is unsuccessful as she ends up captured by Thanos, 2014 Gamora, and 2014 Nebula. Back on Thanos' ship, 2023 Nebula is being held prisoner, while 2014 Nebula's memory files are accessed, and 2014 Thanos finds out that in 2018 he wins, wiping out half of all life in the universe, and he then gets killed by Thor. He also finds a photo of the Avengers, which he refers to as Unruly Wretches, a callback to the Others line in the Avengers post credit scene. He amplifies the image and finds that there's another nebula, which he realizes is the same nebula, but from nine years in the future. They aren't trying to stop something he is going to do in his time. They're trying to undo something that he already did in their time. On Vormir, Clint and Natasha climb the mountain, that leads to the Soul Stone, and they are greeted by the Red Skull, 
Red Skull refers to Clint as the son of Edith and Natasha as the daughter of Ivan. In a deleted scene, we actually do see Clint Barton's mom, Edith Barton, in a deleted scene from the Hawkeye series. He tells them how the soul stone requires a sacrifice, a soul for a soul, creating an everlasting exchange. One of them must sacrifice themselves for the stone that the other one will receive. Tasha tells Clint how she didn't know her father's name and that she should be the one to sacrifice herself for the stone and that has been her only goal for the last five years, wiping out, wiping all the red out of her ledger, bringing everybody back. Clint feels guilty for the things that he has done as the Ronin and feels that he should sacrifice himself instead. The two of them fight each other for the sacrifice and it all ends with Natasha freeing herself from Clint's grasp as they are dangling from the cliff and she falls to her death. Clint now has a soul stone. Everyone makes it, back to, makes it back to the Avengers compound at the same time with all six Infinity Stones. The team is devastated to hear that Black Widow died to get the soul stone. Out by the water, the Avengers represent the different stages of grief. Tony is already in the acceptance stage as he asks if they know if she had any family. Thor is in denial as he says how they have the soul stone, which means that they can bring her back. Clint is in the bargaining phase, saying how it should have been him who sacrificed himself for the stone. Hulk is always angry, and he throws a bench in the air and says, She's gone, and she's not coming back. We have to make it worth it. Tony puts the stones inside of a new nano gauntlet, and the team debates over who should snap their fingers. Thor volunteers, saying how he is the strongest Avenger, and Hulk finally agrees to snap, saying how it would kill any of them, and he was made for this job since most of the radiation is gamma anyway. The team suits up, and Tony puts the compound, the compound on total security lockdown. After lots of struggling, Hulk snaps his fingers, which leaves him leaves his right arm severely wounded and bruised. Barton gets a phone call from his wife, confirming that the snap worked, and everyone has been brought back to life. Just then, Thanos from 2014 appears with his ship and fires upon the Avengers compound. All the Avengers survive, but are trapped underneath all the rubble. Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America make it outside as Thanos is sitting there, waiting for 2014 Nebula to bring him the stones. Thor summons both Mjolnir and Stormbreaker as Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor present a united front against Thanos. The fight scene continues, and Thanos gets Thor pinned down, and just then Mjolnir lifts off the ground. Thanos is knocked over as Mjolnir is returned to its wielder, Captain America, confirming that Steve Rogers was always worthy, even back in 2015. Thanos chops Cap's shield in half as he beams his entire army to the surface. Cap straps on his shield, using it as a tourniquet for his injured forearm. Just then, it seems as if Cap will be facing Thanos and his armies alone. A portal opens as Falcon walks through with the iconic line, On your left. More and more portals open as the Wakandans, as Guardians, Ravagers, and even the Sorcerers walk onto the battlefield. Essentially, every major character or group of characters that we have been introduced to in the MCU thus far come out onto this battlefield. The Avengers that were tapped, that, that, that were trapped, they make it out as Ant-Man becomes giant man. He becomes big. The Avengers theme plays as we get the best shot in the film of all of our heroes united against Thanos. Cap finally says the iconic line, Avengers! Assemble as they all charge forward at at the Battle of Earth.
as it's officially known in the MCU canon. During the battle, Tony and Pepper finally, th- t- Tony and Peter Parker, they finally hug, and all of the ships stop firing on the battlefield and focus on the sky. Captain Marvel shows up to the battle as she goes binary, taking out the guns on Thanos' ships. Peter Quill meets a 2014 version of Gamora, who doesn't know who he is, and the team finds Scott Lang's quantum tunnel. The plan is for them to take the nano gauntlet into the quantum realm and get the stones as far away from there as possible. After a long game of hot potato with the gauntlet, going from Hawkeye to Black Panther to Spider-Man and finally to Captain Marvel, as Captain Marvel takes the nano gauntlet, all of the women of Marvel crowd cover her as she flies to the quantum tunnel. Despite everyone's best efforts, Thanos destroys the tunnel just before Captain Marvel could make it. She faces off against Thanos, who now wields the Nano Gauntlet and all six Infinity Stones, and beats her by literally punching her with the Power Stone. In a final offensive, Iron Man faces off against Thanos and is able to successfully grab the Nano Gauntlet and almost remove it from Thanos' hand, but Thanos breaks free. Thanos places the gauntlet back on his hand as he says, I am inevitable. He gives his fingers a snap, and nothing happens. Thanos realizes that there are no stones in the gauntlet, and Iron Man now wields all six stones. Tony responds with his famous line, And I am Iron Man. As he snaps his fingers, killing Thanos and all of his accomplices. The world is saved and the day is won, but at what cost? Tony is confronted by Peter and Pepper as they tell him that they won and that he can rest now. Tony dies as as Thanos dusts away in a manner similar to his last shot in Infinity War, limping over to the nearest rock, sitting down, and accepting defeat. In the next scene, we see a funeral for Tony Stark, who sacrificed his life to save the universe, making the sacrifice play that Cap alluded to in The Avengers. Most of the main surviving characters of the MCU show up to pay their respects at the funeral, including the Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, War Machine, Happy Hogan, uh, Secretary Ross, and Nick Fury. Even Harley from Iron Man 3 showed up. The plan now is to send each stone back to its original timeline. Using a rebuilt quantum tunnel, Banner is able to send Rogers back in time to return each stone and Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, to their own timelines. They successfully send him back, but it seems as if they were unable to bring him back to the present. Banner runs through the process of bringing Rogers back, and he blows right past his timestamp. Bucky notices a man sitting on a bench by the water and tells Sam to go see him. Sam approaches Steve on his left, as the man is revealed to be none other than Steve Rogers. uh, Old man Steve Rogers. Steve tells Sam how, after he returned all of the stones to their respective timelines, he went and lived a life with Peggy Carter in an alternate timeline. During his time spent with Peggy Carter in this alternate timeline, he created another Captain America shield, which he gives to Sam. Uh, This symbolizes the torch passing from Steve Rogers to Sam Wilson as the new Captain America. The shield was sitting inside of Steve's circular artwork case, a nod to his secret art talent. We saw Steve drawing a monkey, on a unicycle in Captain America the First Avenger, and we see him drawing in a deleted scene from the Avengers. The film ends with a shot of Steve and Peggy dancing to the same song that was playing in Steve's apartment when Fury broke in back in Captain America the Winter Soldier. Uh, This is the one Marvel movie without any post-credit scenes, but instead we get a montage of each of the original six Avengers 
with a signature from each of their actors. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Chris Evans as Captain America, Mark Ruffalo as Hulk, and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. This movie explores the themes of grief, bouncing back from loss, and unity. The Avengers each had to grieve the loss, not only of their friends who were dusted, but also of the fact that they failed to protect the Earth and save the universe from Thanos. Over the five-year gap between Thor chopping off Thanos' head and Scott Lang escaping from the Quantum Realm, each of the surviving Avengers dealt with the loss differently. Tony finally settled down and started a family with Pepper. Banner merged his two identities. Hawkeye became the Ronin as he terrorized different crime syndicates out of anger that he lost his family. Thor buried his feelings under pounds of fat. Steve and Natasha kept an eye on things in the world at large with the other surviving heroes. They all participated in the time heist, save the universe and bring everyone back. Families are now reunited, and all the heroes who were dusted have come back. Everyone presented an un- a united front against Thanos and won. The heroes won in this film because they were united against Thanos while in Avengers Endgame. They uh, not united against Thanos uh, while in Avengers Infinity War. They fought Thanos in separate groups, and he won. Uh, shout out to Lee from Lights, Camera, Rant podcast, as he said during our episode that the heroes won in Endgame only because they had Hawkeye with them. The heroes had never lost a battle where Hawkeye was present. This is a very clever fan theory that I'm sure Kevin Feige didn't plan on initially. Uh, let me know in the comments your fan theories and what you guys thought of this film. Overall, I give this movie a solid 9.5 out of 10. On to the current nerd news. Much has happened in the nerdverse since we last spoke. Uh, I'd like to start off this segment with the DCEU. i got to address the huge elephant in the room. James Gunn is now, I think, a producer at Warner Bros. Studios. He holds a leadership position now. And he has announced a few changes coming to the DCEU. Wonder Woman 3 is most likely not happening. I enjoyed both Wonder Woman's 1 and 2. Uh, the second one, Wonder Woman 1984, it was not as good as the first one, in my opinion. And I think that the movie didn't do great at the box office only because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the fact that the movie theaters weren't really open at the time. Uh, Gal Gadot is an amazing actress, and she is amazing as Wonder Woman, and I hope to see her again in as Wonder Woman in the in in future DCEU projects. I must address. Uh, well, I, I <laughs> that was one elephant. I guess the other elephant in the room is the fact that Henry Cavill is no longer playing Superman, despite his cameo at the end of Black Adam, which I'll discuss in a moment. Gunn has said that he looks forward to the possibility of working with Cavill in the future. I, for one, enjoyed Cavill's portrayal of Superman and can't wait to see what, he, what he'll do next. Going into 2023, I am really excited for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, uh, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman in the Last Kingdom. I am still on the fence about the Flash movie given the recent controversies with Ezra Miller and the numerous different directors that have worked on this project. The film is supposed to introduce us to the DC multiverse, but I'm just not sure if, D- if the DCEU can pull off with the Flash what the MCU was able to do with Spider-Man No Way Home. In any case, The Flash will most likely hit theaters on June 23rd, 2023. 
Going back to Black Adam, there's been some recent controversy surrounding its box office success slash failure. The film cost a lot of money to make and The Rock did sort of overhype the film during the trailers and promotions for the film. I did in fact enjoy the film and I have nothing but respect for The Rock as one of the highest paid and hardest working actors in Hollywood right now. I still give the movie about a 6.7 out of 10 just off the fact that the IMAX scenes weren't all that great and the movie did have a lot of side characters who didn't really do that much. I do want to see Black Adam again in the MCU, but with Warner Bros. under new management, Black Adam's future in the DCEU is uncertain. A Black Adam sequel is uncertain. Um, make sure you guys go follow Comic Boys, the, the Comic Boys show podcast. They recently did an hour-long episode where uh, they talked about uh, DC. Shout out to Khalil. He, like, he talks for like an, over an hour about DC. He can go into greater detail than I can. Uh, moving on to Marvel. Uh, first off, I like to... And now, well, mention how She-Hulk will not be renewed for a second season. I think that She-Hulk was a fun show. Um, I also think that, you know, maybe Hollywood has kind of forced uh, strong women protagonists. I think a lot of times, like, it's forced... It's like we need women protagonists just for the sake of diversity, just for the sake of inclusion. Whereas I, I feel like Jennifer Walters, you know, respect to all the actors, like it wasn't the acting, I think it was the writing, it was the way in which the show was written. And I think they played a little too much into the like social satire of women in positions of power versus men and know. I think they, they played a little too much into that. I, I think that characters like Black Widow and um, the Wasp, Gamora, Mantis, like, the, like they're all compelling characters and they're all strong women protagonists. Um, the, Scar- the, the Scarlet Witch, you know, uh, Wanda Maximoff, they were, you know, none of these women have been given their own movie or their own show and they're still compelling uh, characters and great leaders in their own right. So I think, you know, maybe with She-Hulk, maybe this is for the best. Maybe we don't, maybe we didn't really need a She-Hulk standalone show to begin with. You know, uh, I think Phase 4 has been a mixed bag. Some of the shows, they're either hit or miss. I enjoyed parts of She-Hulk. Yeah. Some parts I liked, some some episodes I liked, and then some I just didn't, so... Moving on, uh, 2022 was a successful year, and you know, in, in spite of all the ups and downs, I, I still think that 2022 was an overall win for Marvel. I enjoyed each and every uh, series and movie that Marvel released this year, including the two MCU special presentations, the short films Werewolf by Night and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Uh, Phase 4 was a mixed bag, as I mentioned, a bag of hits and misses. But overall, I think that the MCU is moving on past Thanos and the Infinity Saga. I think Phase 4, we got to look at Phase 4 the same way we look at Phase 1. Like Phase 1, there were a lot of moving parts and then they all came together at the end. So, that yeah, that, that was Phase 1 to kind of set up that we have a shared universe of superheroes. So, I think that's what they were doing with Phase 4, like having all these different side projects. And then we're going to have like probably a team-up film in Phase 5. So we can't see it right now, but this was the first step in Marvel's shifting of the story away from Thanos, away from 
the Infinity Saga and Wreath and, you know. So, you know, MCU, you know, the Multiverse Saga, it's a work in progress, you know. I think Phases 5 and 6 are going to be phenomenal. Uh, Phase 5 looks very promising with upcoming films such as Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Marvels, Thunderbolts, Avengers Secret Wars, uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty, and Captain America New World Order. Let me know your predictions for Phase 5, and what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the Phase 4 properties? Um, real quick, I'd like to mention that uh, Indiana Jones 5, the trailer dropped. <laughs> I, I went to go see Avatar The Way of Water on Christmas. Um, loved that movie, alright? Saw the first one, like, a few weeks before seeing the second one. I remember when Avatar came out in 2009. It was um, amazing. I might have seen, like, a bit, bits and pieces here and there, but I didn't actually watch it from start to finish until, like, three weeks ago. Three, like, two or three weeks before watching uh, Avatar The Way of Water. And it's a well-deserved sequel. Um, but anyway, as I'm watching Avatar The Way of Water, there's a trailer for Indiana Jones 5, I can't remember the subtitle, but I do plan on rewatching Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and the Last Cru- and the Last Crusade, and watching for the first time the I'll say infamous Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is the only Indiana Jones film that I was alive for, so that's the only one that I remember. But I've also heard nothing but bad things about it. <laughs> so I will definitely in the re- in the near future probably do all four. Indiana Jones movies in preparation for Indiana Jones 5. So, definitely looking forward to that. Harrison Ford, for him to still be playing this character, he's in his 80s now, he's, he's 80 years old. I mean, he's coming into the MCU as Secretary Ross. He's, you know, kind of given, I, I guess, his last hurrah as Indiana Jones. I'm, you know, re- really, really excited for this film. Um, lastly, I will talk about Star Wars. Uh, this podcast has been primarily Marvel and DC content. But I promise I have not forgotten about my fellow Star Wars fans. In 2023, we will be covering Star Wars content, including uh, Bad Batch Season 2, Mandalorian Season 3, Young Jedi, Aven- Young Jedi Adventures, Star Wars Ahsoka, and Visions Volume 2. I also promise that I will finish watching Andor and let you guys know my thoughts on that series as well. Shout out to Michael over on the Stark Wars podcast. Well, everyone, that's a wrap on 2022. I am so, 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 so excited for 2023. I have a feeling that it is going to be a great year for movie fans across all genres. In the new year, I will start hosting guests on this podcast, and I will continue to guest star on other podcasts, even do a few live streams with other podcasters who cover this kind of content. Make sure that you check out the episodes that I was featured on, on the Backlook Cinema podcast and on the Lights, Camera, Rant podcast. I will link both of those episodes in the description below. Guys, I have now officially started my Patreon page, and I will start posting more exclusive content on there in the near future. And I'll talk about them uh, in greater detail in future episodes. If you made it to the end of this episode, I greatly appreciate you. I know that this episode was a bit longer than all the other episodes I've done. If you like this episode and you enjoy this kind of content, be sure to like it and share this podcast wherever you're listening from. And leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the channel grow. Uh, Turn on those post notifications because I drop a new episode Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's United States Eastern Standard Time. And you definitely don't want to miss 
don't definitely don't want to miss out when I when I post. So uh, join the join the Cops Corner Discord chat where we will be discussing all these movies in greater detail, in addition to new movies that have come out. Follow this podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Follow me on Instagram. All those links are in the show notes below. Our next oh you you can also email me at copscornerpodcast at gmail.com questions comments concerns uh, our next film is the final film in the Infinity Saga Spider-Man Far From Home this film will be the official end of the Infinity Saga and a prelude into Phase 4 as always I hope that you guys enjoyed your stay here at Cobb's Corner and I'll talk to all of you in the next episode peace <laughs>